0: Welcome to the Life Melbourne podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Excellent. Thank you so much. Can we give Jesus, come on, a big shout of praise. Come on, can we really just give it up for Jesus in this place? It's so good. Uh, It's such a great honor uh, to be here in such an amazing church with, you know, an incredible destiny and you know, looking at the new building yesterday, just so incredible what God has done and, and the miracle that you have been a part of and are, and are carrying and, you know, just the future is so bright. I, I really just want to honour Pastors Craig and Nadia. You know, I, I uh, have been, I've planted a church two years ago, but before that I travelled for nine years uh, all over the world and every weekend almost I was somewhere different for nine years and I say this without any exaggeration at all. You're not going to meet better people than Pastors Craig and Nadia. They are so authentic. They're so real. Uh, they love Jesus. They love people. They're incredible leaders. Can we give them a big round of applause? It's such an amazing job. Fantastic. Well, why don't you grab your seats? And uh, I'm really believing Freedom Weekend. Uh, I do barrack for Collingwood, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to answer my own altar call this morning. And just get some freedom. You'll be thankful I've put my teeth in for this morning. Uh, I do wear them when I preach. I took them out on Friday night for the game. Uh, But uh, thanks for telling everyone I'm for Collingwood. Now I've got to work to get the crowd back. Because now, like, 90% of them hate me. Anyway, (laughs) I am originally from Melbourne. So there you go, I'm trying to win them back a bit. Uh, I'm a Melbourne boy. Uh, But, you know, uh, I won't go right into it, but really lived a life of addiction and uh, drugs. And uh, at 16, I ended up with drug-induced psychosis from taking so much drugs, uh, where the television would speak to me, the radio would speak to me. Uh, I was heavily suicidal because of that experience, hearing all of this demonic noise in my head. Uh, At 19, I almost took my life. I came extremely close to ending everything as a 19-year-old boy. Uh, I had one lady, an auntie, that prayed for me for 17 years, that I would one day encounter the love of Jesus Christ. And uh, I had left Melbourne at 21 to go to the Gold Coast, Surfers Paradise. Uh, I went there to try and get off drugs. Uh, I wasn't the smartest young man, but uh, Surfers Paradise, and, you know, kept partying. But at 23 years old, through a phone call with that auntie that had been praying for 23 years, as I listened to her voice one day on a Saturday night, Literally, the presence of God just filled my room, the unit that I was living in. And in that moment, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. It was two weeks later that I had a radical encounter with God where He healed drug-induced psychosis in my mind. He delivered me of cigarettes. He delivered me of every drug. And it was an encounter that literally changed everything. And, you know, we've been really carrying this thing for freedom you know, for the past 20 plus years. And I want to encourage you tonight. I want to, today's going to be special and I'm going to open the altar. We're going to pray for people and God's going to do some great stuff in this place today. But I want to encourage you tonight. I'll I'll share a bit more of my story. But really, tonight is about a God encounter. I'm going to talk about the manifest presence of God and the whole purpose. Because people say, how can you be doing what you're doing with all of the challenges that you've had? Let me tell you, that you could say a lot of things. But the number one thing is that I have had legitimate encounters with the manifest presence of God. That in those moments, he can do what counselling would take a thousand sessions. There's nothing wrong with counselling. There's nothing wrong with the other things. But one moment in his presence can literally change your future. So I want to encourage you, don't just come tonight, but come with a friend and come believing that just like Moses had a burning bush experience, that you would come tonight, whether you feel like you need freedom or not, it might just be that God speaks to you about your destiny, about your future, about your... Your children but come tonight believing that you're gonna have a radical encounter with the presence of God in this place tonight <clears throat> thanks so much guys you did an amazing job I really appreciate you guys and uh, you know uh, I've got two boys and and one of the things that I love uh, about being a dad is and this was a long time ago my boys are a lot bigger now but something that I call uh, the dad anointing Okay, And so what the dad anointing is, is when the dad anointing comes upon you, uh, you, you literally will allow your children to do things that a mum would never let them do. <laughs> they're, they're normally dangerous, <coughs> uh, they're dirty, okay, but they're a whole lot of fun. And, and so I remember the moment that, uh, it was a long time ago, it was when we had the floods in, in, in uh, Queensland, and, and the dad anointing came upon me. And it was pouring with rain, and I said to my boys, I said, quickly get the rugby ball and let's go play rugby in the pouring rain. And so I know I should have got them out of their Christmas clothes first, their brand new Christmas clothes first, but dad anointing doesn't see the details, but just the fun that could be had. And so as we were, uh, you know, we went to this, this, this park and it was a muddy field, and so uh, my son, he was only about five or six. He was running, the ball was bigger than him, uh, almost bigger than him. And he was running towards the try line. And, and, and just before he, he got to the try line, uh, there was this massive mud patch. It was thick, it was about six feet long before the try line. And, and so I'm over here and I think to myself if I run as hard as I can and tackle him, I could tackle him we'll go across the try line together and in my mind we'll create an incredible father-son memory that we'll remember for many years to come and so mathematically he's about 30 kilos I'm about 112 I know I need to lose weight 112 kilograms of uncoordinated mass and mathematically I timed it to perfection I hit him and I hit him hard we literally slid together for six feet across the mud patch. The only problem was his head was face down the entire time. He got up and you couldn't see the whites of his eyes because they were covered in mud. It's at that moment that you need the mum anointing when the dad anointing goes horribly wrong, which does happen quite a bit. But I remember he got up and he threw the ball in anger and and, and went to mum and, 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 and as he went to mum he... Uh, Sorry, I remember looking at his eyes, and it was at that moment that I got this thought that having mud in your eyes does not help you to be able to see. Deep, isn't it? You came all the the way from Queensland to say that. Having mud in your eyes does not help you to be able to see, uh, unless, of course, Jesus is involved. Uh, I wonder if you've ever thought about the story in John 9, where God, uh, Jesus, heals a blind man But he spits in the ground, makes a mud spit pie, puts it in the man's eyes, tells him to wash it off, and the man gets healed. Could, could you imagine if I did that this morning? If, if I just asked Pastor, oh, I just need a little bucket of dirt, and I kind of like spat, you'd be like, yeah, you are a Collingwood supporter. Anyway, <laughs> and I spat in the bucket of dirt, I made a mud spit pie, and I said, Church, I tell you, there's an anointing for healing in this place. I'm like you know what even if I was blind I'm like I'm gonna wait for the next guy to come the the evangelist that will just lay hands on my head and and believe in Jesus name and and it seems like this unusual thing but but there's this incredible meaning in what Jesus did and and so the story starts in John 9 and and before we read the text there's a there's a a conversation that's happening pre to this what we're going to read And, and And they're asking a question. They're saying, why this guy? Why was he born blind? I wonder if you've asked that question about your life. Why my marriage? Why our finances? Why my business? Why my children? Why my parents? And it's a fair question. We ask that a lot. Why me? And they're saying, well, why him? Why was he born blind? And one disciple says, well, I reckon it's his parents and they were terrible sinners. And someone else says, no, I think it's him. And And then Jesus says, well, actually, his blindness was to bring my Father in heaven glory. We'll come back to that at the end. And then Jesus takes us in verse 6 to 8. You've got to remember the context. He's he's telling this story in the context of them asking a fair question as to why him. And then in verse 6 to 8, the guy's got on the screen. It says this. It says, after saying this, he spit on the ground, he made some mud with the saliva And he put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told them, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent or sent one. So the man went and washed and he came home seeing. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him uh, begging asked, isn't this the same man that used to sit and beg? And it seems like an unusual thing that Jesus took the mud and he put it on this man's eyes. But you've got to understand it's in the context of why was he born blind? And Jesus kind of gave us, forgive me for saying, he kind of gave the Spiro answer. Do you know what I mean? The spiritual answer. Ah, well, it was so that, you know, God will get glory. Well, that's awesome, Jesus. We don't know how old this guy is, but let's say he was 30. So what about the 30 years that he has to be the blind guy for the one moment where God gets glory? And that's just the spiritual answer of why. But I believe Jesus put mud on his eyes to answer the practical reason why he was born blind and why we are born sometimes with struggles. It says he took the mud, and the Greek word in the Bible, because the New Testament's written in Greek, the Greek word is the Greek word palos, which simply means mud or clay. It's only used one other time in the entire New Testament, and it's used in the book of Romans, where God through Paul says, it's my right to make uh, what I want out of each piece of palos, each piece of clay, some I will use for common purposes, some for noble. And so right there, he's calling humans mud. He's calling us clay. The reason he's doing that is because in the book of Genesis, when God made the very first man, he literally bent down to the dirt, to the mud, to the clay, and he took the mud and then he breathed his breath into the mud and Adam was formed. And so in a sense, Adam is part mud. This message is called mud man, part mud, part breath of God. But when Adam and Eve sinned, it was the mud, the human part of who he was, that became contaminated by sin. And that's why we have this wrestle today, all of us, We, you know, you can love God with all your heart, but you have this wrestle between, why did I want to do the wrong thing? It's because there's this, this this fight that happens between the breath of God that's eternal and powerful and loving and all of who God is and this humanity that's been contaminated by sin. And so when Jesus put mud on his eyes, he's actually answering practically why was this man born blind? Well, simply it's because of the mud. And the mud was contaminated by sin. And because the mud has been contaminated, sometimes people are just born blind. But see, we can end up exactly like the blind man, Freedom Sunday, where we are unable to see The great things that God has for our future because we're looking through the mud. We're looking through the mud of our humanity that stops us from seeing what God has for our life. Maybe for you, it's the mud of disappointment because of the last season, but it's stopping you from seeing what God has for your life. Maybe it's the mud of offense because someone hurts you so bad, but now you can't see what God has for your life. Maybe it's the mud of insecurity, the mud of fear, the mud of negativity, the mud of a lack mindset that's stopping you from seeing the great things that God has for your life. See, here's the reality is every one of us in this room, we all struggle with the mud. We all struggle with our humanity, including me. And if you think that you don't, then just give me five minutes with your spouse and we'll come up with a pretty good list of the humanity that you struggle with. I don't know which list would be longer, female, and I'm not getting into that. But we all struggle with the mud, but if we go back to that moment where Jesus gave the spiritual answer of why this man was born blind, he said, well, so my father can receive glory. Someone needs to hear this right now, because the devil wants you to think that your struggle, the mud that you struggle with, is the thing that's going to disqualify you. But I'm here to tell you that the thing that you struggle with is actually the thing that will give God the most glory. The fact that I struggle with addiction, today I get to give greater glory to God Almighty. The mud, when it's given to Jesus, becomes the thing that not your perfection is not what gives glory to Jesus, but actually it's your humanity when placed in the hands of God that now gives God glory because you end up with a testimony that points to His goodness and His grace. We just simply need to learn to deal with the mud. And so I want to give you three quick things of dealing with the mud. Number one, it's in verse 7. It says here, he said to this man, you've got to understand this man comes to Jesus. He's got mud, spit mud on his eyes representing his struggle, his humanity. And he comes to Jesus and Jesus says, go to Siloam. Go to the waters of Siloam, which means go to the one that was sent. Go to the sent one. The sent one is a picture of Christ. See, the only way that you can deal with your humanity is when you take it to the one that was sent. See, the amazing thing about Jesus, see, we are part mud men in a sense. We have the breath of God when we invite God in. We have a spirit that's eternal, but we also have humanity, which is the mud. Jesus also was a mud man in a sense, yet he was the only one that perfected the mud. He was the only one that never bowed down to the temptation of the mud. He was the only one that fully conquered the mud. And so Jesus tells this blind man, if you're going to deal with your mud and humanity, you've got to take it to the one that conquered the mud. You've got to take it to the one that was sent. And so the first point is this, and this is so powerful for tonight, but also today, is number one is you've got to go with intent to the one that was sent. And the reason I say that is because it's about the way that you come that determines what you receive. The way that you come to church determines what you receive. See, see, it's when you go with hunger. In other words, this, 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 this blind man, when he got a sense that healing was at the altar. Healing was at Salome. He didn't stop off at his auntie's house, although she was an incredible Jewish cook. He got a sense that no one get in my way. Don't talk to me. I'm on a mission. I'm going to the one that was sent. I've got this humanity that needs to be dealt with, and I've now found someone that can deal with it. So do not get in my way, because I'm going to the one that was sent, and I'm going to deal with this struggle, this humanity, to the one that was sent. It's about the way that you come that determines what you receive. I remember uh, when my boys were little, and parents will relate to this, it is that moment when you're on your way to church and it's awesome and you're going to be on time. And then all of a sudden you look down to the ground and you're like, but where's your shoes? I've told you a million times to put your shoes on. And then you say, right, mister, you have one minute to be in that car or you're in big trouble. Don't you hate when you sound exactly like your parents once sounded, like you said it would never happen, but it does. I'm sorry, young adult, I'm prophesying. (laughs) And you go sit in the car, and one minute feels like three, two minutes feels like six, three minutes feels like nine minutes, and now I'm angry, and I'm going to need three songs at church just to deal with my angry heart. But because I'm angry, I've now had a fight with my wife in the car. Now I need three songs and communion just to deal with my heart. You eventually walk back inside. You're like, what in the world is he doing? And he's there and he's putting together a Lego house. And he's like, Dad, I had to finish the house. He doesn't care where you're going. There's no intense. I remember, I remember Siri was just talking to me, telling me where to go. Anyway, I I remember we, we took that same boy to 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 Dreamworld for him and his mates, five of his friends to Dreamworld for his birthday. And that morning was a miracle because he woke us up. He was already dressed. He had packed his bag. He had made his own lunch. He's like, Dad, let's go to Dreamworld. But I want to tell you, it's the way that you come that determines what you receive. The way that you come to church, let me tell you, it's not all on how anointed the preacher is. The way that you come determines what you receive. If you came to sing a couple songs, then you'll just sing a couple songs. But if you came to encounter the King of Kings, the Alpha and the Omega, the God of the universe, and that's what you will encounter. The second thing, the second thing is you've got to wash the mud off. The second thing, and I love what Pastor Cray was saying, shake the dust off, wash the mud off. The dust is the fragrance, the, 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 the fragments of the, of the mud. Unbelief, it's the fragments of humanity. And so the second thing, because once he got to the one that was sent, he, he dug down into the waters, which is Salome is a picture of Christ, the sent one. He dug down in the waters of Christ, and he applied the, the water to his eyes. Ephesians says that we're cleansed by the washing of the word. How do you deal with the humanity that we all have? You've got to wash the mud off. You know, an embarrassing story. When I was uh, first married, I had this issue. And let's just say I wasn't the most hygienic young man. The problem with that was that I married a germaphobe. So we would go to the cinemas and I would touch the escalator and she would almost start manifesting because of how many millions of germs were on that escalator rail. And then I would deliberately try and touch her face and say, baby, I love you. We needed quite a bit of counselling in the beginning. I don't know where I got this from, but, but, but I would have this thing that whenever I washed my hands, I didn't use soap. And, and, and I would end up at the sink and my wife would see it and she's like, just, why don't you just like pump the soap? And I'm like, no, you don't need soap, you just need running water. And she's like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and, and so this argument went on for quite some time. And, and, and so eventually... Uh, eventually, so I was a window cleaner at the time and I'd go, I was a youth pastor, I'd go wash windows, shop front windows and I'd use a bit of uh, morning fresh and some cloudy ammonia to stop the streaks and soap up the windows, make them all nice. And we're having this argument and she's like, well, you know, just please pump the soap, just wash, use soap. And I'm like, no, no, you don't need soap, you just need running water. And she says, okay then. She says, when you go and wash your windows tomorrow, don't use any soap. What would happen then? I was like... It it wouldn't work. She says, I know. And it doesn't work on your hands either. Ever since that moment, I've been set free, delivered. (laughs) You'll be happy afterwards when we shake hands. (laughs) See, what's the point of the story is is if you don't use soap, you end up with mud. Stop complaining about the fact that we have this this humanity, this mud... And focusing on the mud and the brokenness of the mud, just start focusing on the fact that he provided the soap. Yes. That no matter what you're going through, he's provided the soap for you to be able to wash the mud away. You know, just if the keyboarder could come. You know, I remember a time when this, this message really kind of helped minister to me and really spoke to me there was a time when I was traveling as an itinerant preacher and I got a really kind of in, in, a, in a way an incredible break to preach at a you know a very large well-known church and and I went and it was it was amazing and God did really good things but it was after that that I, I really started to feel like I didn't belong and the reason I felt like that is because this particular pastor was kind of well known all over the world he's Dad was like a, and mum were legends in Christianity and their grandparents were legends in Christianity. And I started to feel like that I just didn't belong on those platforms. I didn't belong in those places. Insecurity started to grip my heart. And really the reason I, I felt like that is a lot to do with the family that I've come from. You know, both my family's mum and dad's side struggled quite a bit. My my dad's dad was violent and abusive. Broke most bones in my nan's body in front of the seven children. He was an alcoholic and violent. My nan was raised in a local brothel. She was orphaned when she was about three or four and she was raised by her auntie who was the madam of the brothel. You don't have to be Einstein to work out what happens to a little girl that grows up in a brothel. My dad came from those two people and my dad saw horrific things as a young boy. And no wonder my dad used alcohols and drugs to medicate the pain of his childhood. On my mum's side, my mum's my dad also was fairly violent, aggressive, mainly verbally, suffered with depression, was an alcoholic for most of his life. My mum's mum was sexually abused by her own father as a little girl. My mom also was abused when she was a little girl. And of seven siblings on both sides, nobody went to university. And the reality is that's the mud that I've come from. And I started to get these big opportunities and I started to shrink back because insecurity started to grip me that I don't belong. But then one day I was just bringing my humanity to the one that was sent. I was looking for the the right piece of soap to, to, to put it on the mud that I was struggling with. And I read a verse that I've read a million times in Genesis where it says that you were created in my image. In my likeness, you were created. And as soon as I read that text, It was literally like the soap washed the mud away that was stopping me from seeing because the mud of insecurity because of where I'd come from was starting to stop me from seeing the destiny that God had for my life. But I found the right piece of soap and all of a sudden it began to disappear and I started to see again that it doesn't matter where I've come from or who I am, but that God's got a destiny. And actually where I come from is is from the, the hand of God, that I'm born in His image and in likeness. See I wonder what it is for you maybe it's fear. let me tell you there's some soap in here that says you have not been given a spirit of fear but of power of love and a sound mind Maybe maybe it is an addiction that no one knows about. Let me tell you, there's some soap in here that says when the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. That you are no longer a slave under sin, but a slave unto righteousness. That you are more than a conqueror. Maybe it is massive insecurity and and low self-worth. Let me tell you, there's some soap in here that says that you are the apple of His eye. That you are fearfully and wonderfully made. No matter what it is that you're struggling with, there is the right piece of soap. Let me just close with this last story and then we're going to pray. The, the last thing of this, it's, it's bring your mud with intent to the one that was sent. Wash the mud off. And the last thing is found in verse 8. It says this, after the man was hit, it says, his neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same guy that used to sit and beg? See, really this message is about kind of a devotional life. Keep, it's the way you come to church. It's keep bringing your mud to the one that was sent. Keep taking the living Word of God and applying it to your life so that you see. It's a devotional life. Listen, God doesn't need you to have a devotional life because He's insecure. And, and, and He feels real bad when you don't spend time with Him. I don't need a devotional life to change the way God sees me. I need a devotional life to change the way I see Him. Because I've got this mud that's contaminated, that continues to distort the image of who the Father is. I need a devotional life to change the way I see you. Because I've got this mud that I'm dealing with, that can so easily mess up and distort the way that I see my brothers and sisters. And so why does God want you to kind of live this kind of life? It is, number three, it's in verse eight here, is so that you'll stop living like a beggar. They said to him, isn't this the same guy that used to sit and beg? Listen, I'm not trying to be harsh here, but if you don't deal with the fear in your life, then you'll end up living like a beggar. God still loves you whether you're winning or losing. If you don't deal with the insecurity and the low self-worth, you'll live lower than where you're meant to live. If you don't deal with that secret addiction in your life, it'll cause you to live lower than where you're meant to live. If you don't deal with that negative spirit, that lack mentality, whatever it might be, that thing, that offense that's in your heart, then you're the one that will live like a beggar. But I'm here today to tell you that you were not born to live like a beggar. You were born to be above and not beneath. You were born to be on top and not the bottom. That you were born to be more than a conqueror. That you are a daughter of the King. You are a son of the Most High God. That you are born to rule and reign, to have authority and dominion. That is the real you. That is who God has created you to be. Last story and then we'll pray. I remember praying for this lady. And she had major anxiety. So much so that when uh, she she literally almost could hardly leave her house. She had two beautiful little girls married. Would kind of go to church when she could work up the courage to get there. But anxiety literally gripped her and ruled her life. I was doing this freedom retreat with about 20 people and she came on this particular retreat. They said it was a miracle that, that 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 she came to this retreat and I spoke to her at the start and and she said, I've got major anxiety and that's why I've come to the retreat. And so I did my first session and I, went, I had to pray for each of the 20 people and I went straight to her because we'd already chatted about what she needed. And so I'm walking toward her and, I, and I'm... I'm walking toward her and I'm, uh, you know, I'm getting ready to pray for anxiety. But then the Holy Spirit speaks to me and says, Lucas, the problem's not anxiety. It's what her dad did to her when she was a little girl. Now my heart's beating out of its chest. Because what if you're wrong? And she's just there like this and I work up the courage to just say, hey, I, I just feel like God says that anxiety is not really the problem but it's what your dad did when you were a little girl and as soon as I said those words the floodgates opened and she began to weep uncontrollably begin to wail to weep in the presence of God and then as she's weeping I saw this picture so clear and it was God the father and he was holding her head as she wept on his chest he's just comforting her and I shared that picture with her and now she begins to weep even more uncontrollably I kept praying. Eventually some other leaders came and prayed and I moved on and prayed for the rest of the people. I'll never forget this moment. At the end of the night, she comes and sits across from me at supper and she looks across and she says, Lucas, when I was about three or four, my mother abandoned us and she left us to live with my stepdad who sexually abused me as a little girl. She said, "I've most of my life I've believed in Jesus. But whenever they would talk about the Father, she said, I could never see the Father. And as I sat across from her up on Mount Tambourine over a hot chocolate, I watched a tear roll down her cheek. She looked into my eyes with a tear on her cheek and she said, Lucas, tonight I saw the Father. In that moment, that lady was set free of all anxiety. Today, seven years on, she's living life to the full, and fear had no longer has a hold on her. Because what did she do? By, by the fact that she worked up the courage to be at the retreat, she was making a decision that I'm going with intent to the one that was sent. I'm gonna, I don't know how to fix this problem, but I think there's someone up on the mountain or at the altar that knows how to fix this problem. And then in that moment, she found spiritually the right piece of soap that washed the mud away that was stopping her from seeing the future that God had to life. I want to ask you to stand to your feet. And I want to pray for people right now in this last time we have together. And I just want to ask you this question. And just with every eye closed. This is not a moment right now for giving your life to Christ. This is me speaking to believers and or or whoever, people that are in this room right now in regards to the message that I've just spoken. Because before I kind of ask you to respond to this, I want to tell you that the reason he got his miracle was because he didn't care about what other people thought. Who knows that walking down the street with spit mud on your eyes You could become insecure about that because I look a little bit silly. But he just knew in the moment, I don't care what anyone thinks. I'm sick of having this mud that's stopping me from seeing the destiny that God has for my life. And so I want to ask you in this place right now, If you know it, it might be every person, but if you know there's some mud and that might be insecurity, it might be fear, it might be depression, it might be an addiction, it might be whatever, your childhood trauma, it might be whatever. But if you know there's some mud that's stopping you from seeing and you're saying today on Freedom Sunday, I'm done with the mud. I wanted to go, if that's you, I want you to lift your hand right now and I'm gonna pray for you. There's so many people right now. So many people, so many people, so many people, so many people and and here's here's what I want you to do right now. I want you to take a step, no matter who you are. It doesn't matter if you're a leader, we all have mud. But but I want you to take a step right now and I want you to come to the front. If you lifted your hand, cause I'm gonna pray for you and I'm telling We trust that you are encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Melbourne campus. If you're not in Melbourne, then join us for Church Online wherever you are in the world. Just head to lifeau.org to stay connected and find out more.